This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Us, a show dedicated to bringing real help to real couples. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. What's up, guys? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and together we are high-performance marriage coaches. We are cutting through the bullcrap and creating a movement of happy, healthy, badass couples all over the world. Let's go! What's up, guys? You're going to like this show. Melanie, did you enjoy this convo? I absolutely did. I could really tell that you did, and when you do that, that is always fun. So, who are we, who are we interviewing, you may ask? Tanner Guzzi. And Tanner is the author of a really awesome book called The Appearance of Power, How Masculinity is Expressed Through Aesthetics. What the heck does that mean? You guys are going to have to listen. He talks about clothes, style, enclothed cognition. And guys, this one is really important. If you care about the way you look, which I think most of our listeners do, um, how you dress is a part of that look, not just if you're going to the gym or whatnot. So you guys check it out. You're going to love it. Enjoy. It's amazing Perfect. to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to hang out with you guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, you guys. So we're talking to Tanner Guzzi, uh, author of The Appearance of Power, How Masculinity is Expressed Through Aesthetics, which that caught my eye, like obviously kind of being, being a man. I've always liked style. In fact, in, in, in middle school, in fact, I grew up in South Carolina. It was out of the country. And, and I was always asked the question, I was like, are you a prep or a redneck? And this was like totally <laughs> black and white binary. I had to That's choose it. one. Right. And I could never answer that question. I'm like, well, I kind of like nice stuff. I like to look nice. But then I also like to, I don't know, go shoot hunting and shoot guns and, and <laughs> like, you know, do redneck stuff. So don't. I'm not one dimensional, guys. Don't pigeonhole me. Right. I know. I know. And oftentimes I, I think guys feel like that. But before we get into that, why don't you introduce ourself, yourself to our <laughs> listeners, um, what you do. You got an amazing TED Talk and a bunch of resources. So yeah, just go ahead and uh, let it fly. I think the safest way to describe what I do is to tee it off and say it is the weirdest job in the world. Because like, not only, I mean, there, there are people who talk to men about clothing and appearance and they're like stylists and all of that. But I take much more of a an emotional and psychological and almost like philosophical approach to this and teaching men why they should care about how they look, how it does express their masculinity, why intentionality of it matters, how it's basically another language, like our, our spoken language or our written language. We have visual language and most men miss out by not learning how to communicate in that language. Just like you'd be severely hampered if you didn't know how to read and write compared to everybody else who did. And so I work with clients and teaching them how to be able to do that. Um, I love getting to do shows like yours because I'm also married. I have six kids. We just had our sixth two weeks ago. So yeah. we're like just deep in the trenches of like family and young family and all that. My oldest is 10. So we've got, you know, six between 10 and, and uh, two weeks. So it. like I'm right there in the thick of it. I love talking about the dynamics of marriage and men and women and all this other stuff. So I'm just excited to get to hang out with you guys today. Awesome. So, uh, and for our listeners, uh, we were, you were scheduled about a week and a half ago, but yep. that is when you had your, your kid and you delivered it yourself, which was yes. bonkers. So fun. Like the coolest experience ever we've done. My wife has done natural birth for all of them. And it was like the first two were in the hospital 
Number three was in a birth center. Four and five were at home. And so it was this kind of like natural progression. But there was just something about this labor that anytime the midwife would show up, she had three false starts where anytime as soon as the midwife showed up, like we got the other kids out of the house and everything just stopped. And so with this one, our other kids were actually like in the car in the garage waiting for her sister to come pick them up while we're upstairs. And so it was just us. And I got to do it like it was, oh, you guys, it was the coolest experience. It was a really like powerful spiritual experience. It was really cool for us to get to have it be just the two of us and and then just the three of us and the whole rest of the world disappeared. So cool. Highly recommend anybody do it. It is the best. That's so so cool. I I, I love it. When so we have three kids. Our youngest is ten. Our oldest is fifteen. And when our ten-year-old was born, like the boys, we have a little daughter, and the the boys were in the room. We were at the hospital, and it was. I mean, of course, it was very different from Mm -hmm. delivering. You know, having a Mm -hmm. home birth, but the the boys were in the room. We were all there. Like it was just very. It was very. You Spirit. could do that. Melanie, you shifted out of mom mode enough to be able to deliver with the boys in there. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. so cool. That was one of the things we always wanted. Mm-hmm. And Brickaley, my wife, she couldn't do it. Like she could not let go enough with having to be responsible for the other kids. So I love oh, that yeah. you're able to do that. That's yeah. really cool. And our boys are only like 15 months apart. It's like having twins, but they're not twins. Mm-hmm. And they're little redheads, yeah. which is amazing. It, but they're fun. just, they just go with it. They roll with it. Yeah. And um, it was so cool. Like <laughs> I, I laugh because like one of them was in like a transformer suit. And you were holding tough yes. and Mariner was in like yes. a transformer suit just on the bench. And like, I'm talking to them and it was, it was really awesome, but I do have That's really so fast cool. births. Like I give birth really quick. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that birth is amazing. This is going to sound like a side tangent, but we raise dogs. We have Australian shepherds that we mm, raise. Cool. And so mm-hmm. I always am there when she gives birth and it's like my favorite thing. It's just, it really it's is. It's magic. A, it's a special thing. It is. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, but anyway, we're talking about clothes and marriage. Yeah. But so. congratulations on your sixth <laughs> yeah, baby. That is you. so thank fun. You. Yeah, it's so, so fun. So, yeah. so, so quick question. I'm sure you get this asked in, in, uh, in all interviews, but explain like how you got into this because, you know, was it just like, yep, I'm going to do men's fashion and have, you know, think and it's you totally normal. Me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. So the, I started to get aware of this actually, Seth, very similar to your story where rather than it being like, prep and redneck, it was prep and punk rock. I was very involved in like BMX snowboarding and like the late nineties skate punk ska, that type of scene. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. But then I went to, I went to a private school and I had to wear like a rep striped tie and a Navy blazer and all of this. And so it was these two worlds that were very aesthetically driven. Like in eighth grade, I got suspended because I had a bad attitude about wearing my uniform. Like I didn't just have to wear it. I had to wear it the right way and with the right attitude. Right. But at the same time, if I showed up to like the local basement shows and I was wearing the wrong band shirt, then you get razzed and ripped on for that. And so very early on, I got not only a sense of how other people treated you based on what you wore, but also my own self-perception. Cause I never really felt like myself in the prep school uniform. I very much felt like myself in the punk rock uniform until I'm 20. And then I realized I'm not this kid anymore. Like I'm bigger and more than just like my musical tastes and all of that. And so it's something that's always been on my radar, but it wasn't really a career thing until I wanted to do talk radio. I got a useless communications degree. I worked for a local radio station and I wanted to do political talk radio. And I got so sick of talking about politics all the time because it's heavy and contentious and all of that. And so I started a little blog, masculine style, because I wanted to like get better at writing and keep articulating things and get my voice sharper. Clothing was always something that was a lot more fun for me to write about. And it really just started to kind of like 
take off. And then I'll tell you from the, from the marriage perspective, one of the reasons why this really went somewhere is when we had our oldest, I was making $13 an hour at a credit union as a loan officer. I couldn't find a better job. And we knew that we wanted my wife to be able to stay home and be a full-time mom. And so we were just kind of like, well, crap, what do we do? I'd been writing the blog for about a year and I had enough emails from guys asking the same kind of questions. Like, okay, well, what if I try to like create a product? And so I sold these little consultations for 25 bucks and I made 450 bucks the first month. And it was enough to like make it so we could still make it through that first month. And then the momentum just kind of built up and picked up from there. And so fatherhood and marriage was a big motivation for me because we wanted to make family a priority for us. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I love that. And in like the different groups that we run and stuff, we, we very much talk about uh, intentionality and what I hear you saying basically is like, okay, I'm a man, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I need to go do what I need to go do to provide. Right. And that is, that is something that is very important for men and women too. But I think men are built a little bit differently. Like that's, that's in us. It's like, we got to leave the cave go kill something and bring it back. Or I don't feel like I'm doing my God-given job kind of thing. 100%. So I, I yep. really like that you highlighted that and then how it has turned into something and turns out it is part of your zone of genius and you know is still working and thriving. So really that's, fun. Yeah. that's awesome. So <clears throat> the first thing I have here, I want you to talk about the, and you talked about this in your TED Talk and other things that you've done, but share with our listeners like, these signals that we don't know we may be giving or not giving with our clothing and appearance and how that has implications of how we even carry ourselves. Can you talk to cool. that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I can even kind of tee this up the same way that I did with the talk where the idea of visual signals and visual communication, that's not unique to us as humans. That happens across the entire animal kingdom mm-hmm. where You have, and basically like the fundamental things that are expressed in the animal world is either this is dangerous or it's time to have sex. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's basically it. Right. And it's a puffer fish that gets bigger or a lion that has its mane, or it's these intricate dances that birds will do when it's mating season or things like that. And because humans are so much more advanced than animals, as far as like the cognitive development, we don't have just these two very primal things that we communicate. We've learned to communicate other things. And so we use clothing to signal things like uh, status or authority or authority or credibility, or, I mean, and you get this even on like a fundamental level. If I were to show up on screen and I had like a necklace of human ears that I were wearing or <laughs> right, like one, I'm a psychopath in this, in this day and age. Yeah. And two, I'm probably physically pretty intimidating and terrifying because I'm wearing that. Right. Right. Like there are these things that kind of cross cultures, but at the same time, cultures can get incredibly nuanced in the things that they express where you show up in like you go to a big menswear like suiting trade show in a place like Milan or Florence Italy and the little intricate details of like how high the lapel is up on somebody's shoulder can make a world of difference because we ingest and invest all of this meaning into these little things that we wear and so it is it is a language it is a method of communication and it can be just as basic as grunts or it can be as intricate as poetry, depending on how articulate you are with it and how articulate your audience is at being able to understand what it is you're trying to communicate as well. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, uh, I have like yeah. so many questions I want to ask, but I really feel like I'm going to derail everything. Well, no. Uh, Those well, are the one, best questions. Yeah, I know. Yeah, bring, bring them on. But one, one thing that I thought of, and this wasn't even in my notes anywhere, what you are talking about is basically 
how are we branding ourselves? Like we have mm-hmm. our branding behind us, right? Like that's the right. logo. Like, you know, I, I see the, um, the, the book cover poster you have. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that is a brand that was well thought out, you know, from the font to the, to the photos, all that stuff. And what kind of signals and literally messages is, is branding putting out? Like mm-hmm. I know when I see like the Rolex crown or something like, oh, mm-hmm. I know exactly what that is. And what does that mean to me? It means crazy deep diving. It means like high mountain adventures. It means money. Yep. It means James Bond. It means all this stuff, right? Right. Just by that single little crown thing, right. you know? Um, so why, why don't we think about how we dress and how we carry ourselves as personal branding? It's not just a website like sethstudley.com or something. It's like, oh, no, I am... am exposing my brand every day mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. I, that might be a weird way to think of it, but no, it, it's no, but very it totally true. Is. Yeah. No, it totally is. Yeah. I like thinking of it that way too. Cause then you're like, well, what's the, and I'm going to sound unkind right now, but what is the brand of like, I'm in my J's at, at three in the afternoon in Walmart. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't right. even need to change out of these J's and they're SpongeBob J's and I'm right. 35. Oh, like man. what's yep. that brand? Yeah. You that know? is the, I, I, I value comfort and I want to disappear. I don't want people to pay attention to me brand. Mm. There's a lot of this kind of like psychological, emotional connection that comes with it. And most of the time it's not a, this is the big thing that most people don't understand is clothing can either be very deliberate and conscious, or it can be very accidental and subconscious, but there's always some level of communication that's happening with it. And so the shift that we need to make is from this self-soothing, subconscious, very accidental into growth oriented, very deliberate, very intentional version of it mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful too. Cause I think the, the like, I don't want to be seen vibes. I think if mm-hmm. we can, I hadn't even thought of it that way. Mm. Like I'd never even thought, Oh, the dude wearing that or the lady wearing that, that that would even be a, a motivation in her or his mind. I always, yeah, cause if like, they really didn't care, they just show up in like garbage bags or naked or something else. Right. So they're not dressing so poorly that it draws negative attention, right. but they're, all no, they're also not dressing well enough that it draws positive attention. Mm-hmm. What they're essentially signaling is don't talk to me. Don't approach me. I'm, I, I don't want any interaction whatsoever. And it reinforces that even as far as their own sense of self-perception of, I don't want to interact with people. Wow. I want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the different psychology mm-hmm. of it, um, am I worth interacting uh, mm-hmm. do, do, do I, you know, what kind of like self image do I have? Oh, nobody wants to talk to me. So I might as right. well just whatever, wear SpongeBob at 2 PM, you know, right. or, or, or now whatever. I just keep thinking of all, it goes both directions. Yeah. All I can think now is what on earth do my clothes say about me? I, I wear golden shoes as often as I possibly can. <laughs> uh, I just don't have any, le- like, I don't have my sneakers left, but I got my loafers from England that I bought, but like, nice. all I want to do is wear like Indiana Jones shirts and well that, like, that reflects your other interest and so what is uh it doesn't, but I, hold on i want to say a thing too because you mentioned school so i mm-hmm. also wore jenkos but did i skate no not one iota i was nope. in orchestra i so in orchestra i would have to wear like a cummerbund and a long mm-hmm. skirt but i also did theater and i mean i like so in i never pegged how i dressed as a marker of who i was I just didn't. No. I just didn't think to. I was like, "Well, I want to wear this." this so, how week. did you decide you wanted to wear Jenkos? Like, what what drew you to that? Like, looked fun. And, but I would wear like okay. Abercrombie the following week. I have pictures right. of me through high school that I look like ten different people. Mm-hmm. Like uh, seriously, like I would okay. I would do like rainbow eyelashes, and I would have like 
cornrows that I would braid myself. I mean, any given day was- So for you, it was more of an anti-identity that I'm going to embrace all of these different things so that I can't be pigeonholed as I'm like part of the prep scene or I'm one of the jocks or the cheerleaders or the skate kids or the mathletes or whatever Mm -hmm. else. It's I can assimilate all of these and I'm fluid amongst all of this. Yeah, and that's how I was too. I had Mm -hmm. friends across all of the spectrum of people in school. So I was like, well, I don't care. Like I'm not gonna- Which that illustrates- kind of who you are today. Like, you know, if we're going in a speaking engagement, you're wearing the gold shoes and the fancy jewelry. And my or, new bolo I just got, a giant nice. silver bolo. It's amazing. It right. has a, nice. um, a lion on it. Or you're going to get clothes from the wind, the snowstorm that we just had that broke a million trees down right. to like put on your stuff and like, oh, I'm doing a different thing. My so that makes me, and I'm, I know I'm switching around here, <laughs> but that makes me think of the idea that you've spoken about. And I heard about this, not from you, but somewhere else. I think it was from the um, Alter Ego Effect effect book. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the author there. Um, but you talk about enclosed cognition. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it just made so much wait sense to me because I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, they're like, we, we met at Starbucks years okay. ago, right? And I've had mm-hmm. other jobs where I have to wear not a uniform mm-hmm. per se, but like, oh, a work shirt, a work issued work shirt, you know, like blue collar uh, right. uh, stuff in college. And it's like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm wearing my, you know, navy blue dicky pants that I don't care if they get grease and mud and dirt on them. That's the job that I'm doing. Yeah. And then I'll yeah. change and take a shower and put on a nice shirt and, you know, whatever and go on a date. Mm-hmm. So it's like, whatever I'm wearing affects what I'm thinking. And then what totally. I'm thinking affects mm-hmm. how I'm acting, right? So totally. that whole effect of enclosed cognition. So if you could elaborate a little more on that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And there's, there's like big macro perspectives on this as far as like how this informs our identity and stuff like that. Or it can even be what you were alluding to as far as just like shifting gears, depending on what you're doing in a given day. The example that always comes to mind for me, especially with, you know, guys like us who are Gen X, older millennials, stuff like that. You remember Mr. Rogers, the intro where he walks in and he like changes his shoes and he takes off the jacket and puts on the cardigan. I remember being as a kid, really being kind of pissed where it's like, why does he still have a tie on? Like, how is this still comfortable that he has a tie on? He's not actually changing his clothes, right? But he switches from the Oxfords to the sneakers and he throws on the cardigan because for him, that was part of the mental transition of I was in work mode to now I'm at home and I'm hosting and I'm with the kids and all of that. And it's the same thing where we can and should be doing that. I don't wear my gym clothes outside of the gym because I want the association to be when I'm in these clothes, I'm working in the gym. And even like my lifting clothes are different than my running clothes because I want a different mindset when I'm doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or even these little shifts of like for a lot of, and for a lot of us, this is where it gets really hard because there aren't dress codes at work. Mm-hmm. But if you can have these little transitions of when you're in, work mode versus parent mode or any of these other things. And you can just change your appearance a little bit, not because it matters to anybody else, because it helps you clock in or clock out that cognition that you enclose with that way that you start to change your own self-perception becomes massively important in your ability to be present in whatever it is that you're doing, as opposed to everything kind of getting nebulous and bleeding into itself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have two things to say. One is that I think your lifting clothes are like a, silver unitard like i think the wwf <laughs> you heard that yes. not wwe wwf no, old no. school vibes like you have like a so lightning like bolt a, a wrestling single wrestling right, single like with the pit vipers yeah and- <laughs> that's what i imagine you lifting in so that's, there it is that's close close they're gold <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, But the other thought I had, too, is that I do this at home a lot that like, what did you call it? Where you're like transitioning from one thing to another. I feel like you called it a word, but I don't know. Um, I do that with cooking. Like if I'm in a cooking zone, I will actually put my our kids are in cooking school. And so Mm -hmm. they have like chef's coats as part of their cooking school, but they fit me. And so I put the chef's coats on. And part of that is to protect my actual clothes so they don't get right. dirty. But part of it is like, it feels really cool to be cooking in a chef's coat. Yeah. Uh, but then also just yesterday, I went and bought new pajamas because I have been wearing the same. I, I basically wear like a full clothing to bed. Like I wear like sweats mm-hmm. to bed. This is how I am. Um, but I had been wearing like this mismatched thing. And I was like, I am so sick of looking at this stupid pajamas. Like they're not, they look so bad. So I went, I had been eyeing these pair of pajamas at Target mm-hmm. that are like leopard print, of course. And, uh, you know, like a beautiful, dark, like rust and navy leopard print pajamas. And I got a robe and slippers. Like I went shopping. There yesterday. you go. But the whole yeah. point was like, I want to feel like getting ready for bed is actually fun. Like it's like a right. thing and not just like, a, oh, okay, I'm going like to get my ugly old sweats on. You know? Let me get in my crappy version of myself to finally just yeah. do this one thing as opposed to that it's everywhere, that you're, that you're intentional even about what you wear to go to bed. Yeah. yeah. And, and the implications of what you wear can very much determine, it's not 100% determinant, but it highly, highly influences how you show up. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I'm going to, bring this back around to a, a couple of examples in marriage. If I just wake up, like me as a husband, a dude, you know, wake up and go, I don't know, let's put on these jeans again. And they're just like, this is totally off the, but when I was a kid, I was a little bit uh, chunky, right? Okay. So there were mm-hmm. these jeans called rustler jeans and they were the cheaper. They weren't Lee's. They weren't Levi's. No. They were cheaper and they were a husky size. <laughs> It wasn't just a size. It was husky. It was I'm husky. like, oh, I hate these. Yeah, I refuse to wear them. that emotion even harder. Oh, my gosh. Right. It's like, oh, great. I'm just a husky sixth grader. I got that going for me, right? So, so that made me feel a certain way, right? So anyway, mm-hmm. that's the side tangent. But if I just wake up and go, I don't know, put on my uh, Costco jeans right. that my mm-hmm. wife bought me, you know, that are yep. just like dark navy blue that don't look cool or faded or anything. Right. And just go, I don't know, let's go to work, whatever, put on a plain old t-shirt and some coat that I've had from the 1980s. Not like the cool ones that are in fashion now, but just like just some gross one. Right. What kind of attitude does that portray to my wife, to my work ethic, to my kids? And I'm not saying that like, oh, if you're smart, you're going to dress up and like 
be 100% better. I'm not saying no, that. No, it not, doesn't mean you have to be a suit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I, I think like, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. saying. And yep. I guarantee that, you know, a guy listening right now or a woman too, this isn't just, you know, towards like masculine dress or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they went and like audited their wardrobe, they were like, oh man, I've had this skirt since 1972, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know why it's a skirt from 1972, but just old clothes. It's a very like, specific reference. When he yeah. was a crossdresser and he was one. Wasn't alive yet, but yeah. Um, uh, and just like random stuff that you don't put much thought in. It's like, mm-hmm. that is like, if I just switched up my wardrobe, not crazy, but like, mm-hmm. hey, what kind of style do you like mm-hmm. on me? Go through this catalog or do this or well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And she had some input. Like, I, I think you'd look really cute in these jeans or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, that, that, that shirt. That isn't an XLL or XXL right. kind of thing. Right. Like, Extra large, large. But it's a, a, a fitted kind of deal. Yeah, you look better in that. Oh, yep. then I'm going to feel better. Therefore, I'm going to show up for her. She may see that and go, oh, now I'm more actually sexually attracted to you. Mm-hmm. You think that that doesn't have an influence and it mm-hmm. doesn't make a difference? Well, and I want to have a, like, a little asterisk on that. I don't think most women are going to see it as I'm more sexually attracted to you. Yeah. They're going to see it like, that's respectable. Like what you're mm-hmm. wearing. Yep. I feel, and it is going to sound almost silly. I feel safer with someone who yeah. cares, who someone sees the details. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to sound funny. My dad, my dad had a traumatic brain injury when he was young. So let's just blame it on that. But he wears the same thing like all the time. He never buys his okay. own clothes. My mom buys them. So it's all like Costco slip-ons and uh, you know, but he's a CEO of a company. He's very successful. But it, there is, she always is like, why can't he just dress nicer? Like, mm-hmm. I would feel like he cared about me right. if he put on, like, a nice jacket or maybe not the slip-on, <laughs> you know. Right. Can't even lace your shoes vibes shoes. Right. Um, and so there's more to it than just sexual attraction. There's a lot more to it. It's like, I feel, I actually will feel respected as your spouse Mm -hmm. by how you present yourself to the world and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Like you wouldn't want me to go, like if we're all going to Christmas tree getting and I'm just in like, you know, like whatever frumpy, you know, you would, you would be like, that's gross and weird. And I feel bad about it. And you might not have the right words for it. You might mm -hmm. just be like, you look frumpy, you know, but there is so much like tied to it. What say something about it. Cause I feel like we just keep talking. (laughs) No, I love that you guys are hitting this. Because the only thing that I would add to this is not only from the spouse perspective, but also from the kid perspective. Because think about how it is for your kids, especially when they see you get dressed up to go out on a date or to get dressed up to go out to work. And it's like, why do mom and dad put all of this effort into the way they present themselves to these other people? Mm. But I get the crappy version. I get the version that doesn't care about anything. I get the version that just shows up in whatever. Why is it that the best gets the every the rest of the world gets the best instead of me? Or why is it that my wife doesn't get the best or that my husband doesn't get the best? And so we really do have this element of and you know, I this can be hyperbolic, but I've I've used this statement a lot before that fathers have a moral obligation to their families to dress well because it does, it communicates this aspiration, it communicates this self-respect, this dignity, this this protector aspect that you hit on really well of like. Mm-hmm. I can take care of all the details because I demonstrate that I recognize and take care of all the details. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much that's being communicated within the family dynamic of does dad show up all the time? Does mom show up all the time? And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be suits. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be 
pristine, but if your pajamas look haphazard versus looking intentional, Mm -hmm. the signals are incredibly different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are totally on the right track. It's funny too. It makes me think, uh, because our kids are, you know, 15, 13 and 10 and our youngest is a daughter and she's, you know, going to be in middle school next year. I had to explain to her like explicitly because she's still a very little kid, like Mm -hmm. just a little kid at heart. And she wears dirty clothes all the time. And I have to tell her, sweetie, I, well, I we love have to like so really much, twist her on, like, hey, like, there's a stain on that. Yeah, like you cannot, <laughs> cannot do that. Yeah, like you can't wear that. And she'd be like, no, it's fine. I don't care. And I'm like, listen. And I, I feel so bad because I'm like, you might not care, but what mm-hmm. other people might think is that you are poor or you're sloppy or you're dirty right. or whatever. And so it's, I think that sometimes there's so much power in explicitly communicating to your kiddos, especially like teen, preteen age. Like what the what those things actually mean sometimes. Right. Sometimes kids are oblivious. You know, our thirteen year old will wear a t shirt that's like a thousand times too big and it looks like a dress and we're like, Okay, dude, uh-huh. you can't like <laughs> you can't. he gets it now, but mm-hmm. um at the time he's like, What? And then you're like, Why do you get teased at school? Maybe because you're right. wearing a dress half the time. Right. <laughs> you know? Or even if it comes from the opposite direction where you have teenagers that are really interested and focused on this stuff, this is kind of how I was where I remember seeing, and I love my parents and I love the, the neighborhood dads and things like that, that I grew up with, but I did not want to grow up and be a father because I saw family as the death of all individuality and the death of all ambition and everything that was cool and everything that was enjoyable because most of the dads, most of my friends, dads, most of the men that I went to church with, they were fat, lazy, sloppy. They hated their jobs. Their wives didn't, weren't attracted to them. Their kids didn't respect them. And I remember the occasionally bumping into dads that were in good shape and they had hobbies and they dressed like they cared about themselves. And it's like, oh, okay, there's something else that fatherhood can be that marriage can be. It isn't purgatory that I'm going to be relegated to as soon as I fall in love with somebody. And so even with the kids that are that are focused on that, you can set a good example of like this continues. It doesn't have to be that your individuality dies yeah. as soon as you get in marriage and a career. Yeah, yeah. that's so important too, I think. Um... Well, for husbands, but also for like moms, you know, mm-hmm. so many moms think, well, oh yeah, my I've kids had a kid, are born and blah, it. and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's just nothing but like messy buns and oversized Target shirts, you yep. know, and it's like, no, that's not, that's not true at all. And I think no. it's interesting because I think so many people feel like it's selfish. Do, do, do men feel that way? Like that it would be selfish of me. So I'll just stay in this sort of like homeostasis of blah. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's, I can't spend money on stuff for me. And I certainly can't have opinions about stuff for me because I will wear what my wife buys for me or what she wants me to wear, because that's the farthest I'll allow myself to take it is Mm -hmm. if she likes it, then I'll wear it. But for me to have my own opinions or thoughts or needs or desires or anything like that's selfish, that's immoral. I can't do that as a man. And that's, that's a really bogus line of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What other things like that do you hear from men who you work with? Like what other sort of like internal Sort of stuff that maybe women wouldn't know. You stole my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest one that I get resistance on. Okay, so there's certainly the selfish aspect of it. Mm-hmm. There's the vanity and it's immoral to care about this stuff, that it's somehow superficial or it's, yeah, it's vain and I, and I need to be focused more on deeper things and helping them understand that really what we're after is congruence. We're not trying to create a false persona on the outside. We're trying to create congruence between who you are on the inside and who you are on the outside. There needs to be some, some authenticity there. But then the biggest thing is that we've got this very like 20th century, real men don't care how they look type of attitude. And you are gay or effeminate or whatever 
1990s pejorative you want to throw at it that somehow you're less than masculine for caring about your appearance and helping men understand historically that's never been the case men have always always cared about their appearance and ironically warriors like the most like hyper masculine class have been the ones that cared the most about how they dress and were the most strict about you have earned the right to wear this or you haven't earned the right to wear this or what's being signaled by it and so it's helping men over overcome a lot of those those personal and big social obstacles and understanding that this isn't only just okay but this is in a lot of ways crucial and good and necessary to start to think about this yeah, this yeah. that makes me think of like high heels high heels were made for men they were designed mm-hmm. for men and then yeah, so all of the like yeah and all of the um like the fancy the, the fancy outfits mm-hmm. that they would wear like the yeah. i'm trying to think of like the elite of anything they got yeah. you know like whether it's in the amazon they got more feathers whether you know wig you know, like every, yeah, all of it. Exactly. Like you go to the most like quote unquote primitive cultures where they don't have to wear clothing. They're in these idyllic climates where they do not have to wear clothing for environmental protection. And they will still wear armbands or do body paint or do all of these other things because it is a visual method of communication Mm -hmm. that has always existed with us from the most simple culture to the most advanced. We've always used it. Mm -hmm. And it's helping men understand that you are not less of a man we're playing by these rules. Right. You just need to learn to play by them the right way. Well, even, now, even, oh, no, no, even, I, I even going back so to good to say, cause right, it's this and I'll forget it if I don't, I'll, I'll defer. So it makes me think of, I think I heard Jordan Peterson or somebody say, you can't, we can't outsmart our biology. And it's like, mm-hmm. in a way that's what we're thinking. Like that's the mindset of my dad is that like, well, you're good. And my dad is lovely, but like the, well, I don't can't care about what I think because I, or what I wear because I fix cars or whatever. Right. Right. So he's got that mentality, but he still is wired. We are all wired to see these yeah. things and know that they mean something. I'm saying that. In air again, quotes, he's not but, raiding your mom's closet. Right. If he truly didn't care, he would wear what your mom has. <laughs> Share the clothes. <laughs> I don't care what I wear. I'm going to wear your cardigan today. <laughs> exactly. <Dawn>. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because it's like, as much as we want to, I don't know if it's like pathologize or I don't even know, but we cannot outsmart our biology. Our mm-hmm. wiring mm-hmm. is going to know anyway. That yep. that's similar to what I was gonna say. Like, no, but I said it first. Like, okay, you 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 watch, where it's due. I win. Right, you, you did say it first. Uh, I thought it first though. Um, so okay, Birds of Paradise, right? Like, we're watching the David Attenborough show. Isn't a bird of paradise mm-hmm. a flower? That is not a bird, right? Yes, it's a flower. It was a flower. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the birds? I don't know. I don't know. Quetzalcoatl. The, 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 the super fancy, the super fancy birds that look unbelievable, the ones right? That dance mm-hmm. and stuff. The ones that dance and all that stuff. So, like the bi- biology of that, that female bird is going to go to the flashiest, mm-hmm. most audacious mm-hmm. bird to procreate, mm-hmm. right? To continue right. the line of mm-hmm. their species, right? Why do we think that? It, it makes a difference like in, in what I, I could say, well, it's just sweatpants and we're married, so she should know I love her, right? But like <laughs> biologically, you look at those and it tells, it's just like an encyclopedia of information just uh-huh. being shot out right. into your brain and right. you're interpreting those things. Like, so yeah, you can't override that mm-hmm. biological piece, but you, you talk about the imposter syndrome when people are learning more about mm. what, what you're teaching about mm-hmm. and like, okay, I, maybe not the sweatpants, but that's not who I am because I've always worn them for 20 years and right. I'll be judged and my friends will say this. So there is an imposter. Well, with, with any amount of positive growth does come some amount of imposter syndrome. Can you, so can you speak to that 
a little bit like, what am I doing wearing a suit? This is crazy. I don't know. Right. This, I don't know. I'd look, I, I feel stupid, you know? So <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys so there's say a healthy, there's a healthy level of it. And then there's an unhealthy level of it because a lot of times what guys will do when they start to try to dress better is they'll do it the wrong way where it's like, okay, I'm in, a, I'm in sweats and a t-shirt all the time and I'm going to start wearing suits everywhere. And it's like, nah, we don't live in that world anymore where it's not the 20th century. You're not on Madison Avenue. Like it's not appropriate for you to be wearing a suit everywhere. And so there is definitely a way to do this wrong and dressing more formally or all of a sudden it's like everything that I wear has to be this unique color or this really bold pattern. Like that's not normally the answer. Mm-hmm. And so one is learning like what dressing better actually means. But then two, it is that level of just like, yeah, sorry, dude. Like the first time you go to the gym, you're going to feel like you don't belong there and it's uncomfortable. Or the first time you show up to a class to learn how to weld or to learn how to do leather work, or you just start to, you, you post something on Instagram saying I'm into photography, like you're just going to feel like you're faking it, but embarrassment is the cost of entry. Like my son, I've got one son and five daughters and my son, I took him to his first jujitsu class yesterday and he's terrified to be in there. And I remember what it was like when I went to my first jujitsu class a couple of years ago and I'm terrified to be in there. And like, you are an imposter, but you have to be okay being an imposter until you're not an imposter and dressing well, if you're not good at it, you are an imposter until you do it enough that you're not an imposter. And so you have to work through it. But a lot of times it's much more subtle than I'm going to throw on a three piece suit with this like green wingtips or whatever. Like that's not the solution. <laughs> I wish that we were living in like 1930s kind of think and grow rich era. Oh, yeah, I like, love that. Like dress styles, like sure. I'll wear, you know, suits every day. Um, but uh, yeah, the impo- you, embarrassment is the cost of entry. Yeah, right. And cool. mm-hmm. Everyone everywhere has been an imposter at something because it was the first time that they did it. Like we're not yep. born with like, I, I'm a drummer, right? And I was very nervous right. the very first show I played in 10th grade. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, every you think Tony Hawk was born dropping into a vert ramp. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> Our kid is no. obsessed with Tony Hawk. We watch Tony Hawk cool. stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's like 52. It's crazy. Right? But he was yeah. a faker at some point. He was mm-hmm. totally fake at some point. He had no idea what he was doing. That's Absolutely. Uh, tell us. So I've never heard you say this before. So you had you say men, husbands, dads have a moral obligation to dress right. Mm-hmm. I know that wasn't mm-hmm. verbatim, but like, can you explain that a little bit? Because yeah. that um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I think that one of the biggest things, one of the biggest social problems that we're confronting is the the extension of adolescence in both directions where we, we rob kids of their childhood at younger and younger ages. And we also rob people of adulthood at older and older ages. And so adolescence, this kind of like ennui of teen angst starts earlier and ends later. And a big part of that is because of what we talked about a few minutes ago, fatherhood is not aspirational. We get like the Homer Simpsons, the Phil Dunphy's like all of these TV versions of what it means to be a dad And no boy in his right mind wants to grow up to be that. He's going to want to do everything he can to escape that. Mm -hmm. Fathers should make fatherhood as aspirational as possible. And you guys know this, where your kids will either grow up to want to, like for us as fathers, our sons will either want to be just like us, or they will want to be nothing like us. Mm -hmm. And our daughters will want to marry somebody who's just like us or marry somebody who's nothing like us. Mm -hmm. Like there's very little in between when it comes to that. And so in every regard, we have a moral responsibility to model excellence the best that we possibly can in our emotional lives and our relationships with our spouses and our spiritual lives and everything. And so I would say that includes in how we consider the way that we dress and what we do with our 
with our physical appearance, with our grooming and our body language and all of that as well. And so I think it's just part of this idea that we need to make adulthood and family life as desirable and as aspirational as possible. So their kids want to go towards it as opposed to running away from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And on the show, we often talk about more is caught than taught as mm-hmm. like a parents, mm-hmm. you know, my kids, my, I love our, that. I've never heard it that way, but that's a, mm-hmm. such a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. More, more, you know, I, I can talk to my kid about the, the, the importance of spirituality or the importance of like uh, anything, you know, the importance of like, you better do good in algebra and just like, we're mm-hmm. reading algebra books and all, but then I'm like, well, I mean, that's maybe a weird example, but I kind of lost <laughs> then my, I'm never my, doing uh, algebra. My, and- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like, so we can talk to them all day, mm-hmm. but they're going to go, Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What do I see my dad doing? Right. Yep. You know, what, I can what say I- guzzies do hard things all I want, mm-hmm. but if my kids go see me get in the ice bath, at night when it's 30 degrees outside, that's a whole different level of that lesson being taught. Yeah. Why do you do it at night? Yeah, because that's the time I have. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so cold to go to bed? I would. I know, right? I know. Oh. It's miserable, but that's the time I can make with six kids under 10 right now. Yeah. I think actually, <laughs> wild. Andrew, human, this total side tangent. So I do the ice bath too, like Wim Hof. I've been doing it for like mm-hmm. four years, like get in the river in the snow. It's amazing. I mostly right? do it in the morning though. Um, but there are more health benefits from doing it at night oh. for some reason. And then like you go to bed. And I like, win. How yeah, heck? you do. Yeah. So Air five. <laughs> you're, 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 air five. You're, you're. I was literally thinking today, I took a bath this morning, so I had to wash my hair. And I was like, it is, I take really hot baths, which is mm-hmm. not good for you. But the fan was on. So I was like, this is basically like a cold dip. <laughs> all the, this out a all the warm air is being lifted out, which makes it really unpleasant. Oh, no I way. basically did a cold dip. No. I literally was thinking about that laughing by myself oh, while man. I was watching that. Is, that is not a cold dip. So it snowed eight inches here. And I got in the river a couple of days ago. And nice. uh, that's, that's a, that's a cold dip. Want to know something funny? This is like funny. Another tangent. This is tangent, but not. He goes in the river locally in the Cedar River. Mm-hmm. He goes naked. <laughs> It's way out. It's off yeah. of like the a way to do it. walking well played. I mean, it's yeah. so well played. so funny. <laughs> it's, it's way out in the woods, and it's I can't just like, wait yeah. for old ladies on that path to like <laughs> to just start lining up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you develop a reputation, and they're like hiding in the trees. Right. <laughs> oh, you hear all these camera clicks when you get yes. the sound. Yeah. But it, it's like it, I mean, this is another whole tangent. But it it even feels more natural to me, and like just like completely right. like okay, mm-hmm. there is nothing here except me right. in the cold, and it's. About as raw as it gets. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Um, so okay. Back you, on track. <laughs> yeah, you you said something. I took a note here. It says, uh, we should adopt an aesthetic that reflects growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Do you remember saying that? Sometime. Sure. <laughs> so so we're, that we're, we're like me. <laughs> we're we're also big on on growth mindset, you know, fixed versus growth mindset, and anything worth doing, anything hard is usually worth doing, right? Mm-hmm. So how how does adopting a um and a the, a new aesthetic reflect like a possible growth mindset. To me, it's like a stepping stone. It's like, okay, I've evaluated my, my wardrobe. I want to change some things. So I'm tending towards a growth mindset there. Hmm, let me try this out. And then that can mm-hmm. be a stepping stone. So talk, talk to us a little about that. And then also how, since more is caught than taught, if Melanie saw me like, whoa, he's buying fitted shirts and fitted jeans these days. And Imagine. he's making... I mean, I do now anyway, but uh, okay, that's something different. What What's going on here? Right. And just like the larger implications that has, like the... the, the uh, what was the first question? You asked like eight. Adopt an aesthetic that reflects your growth, growth mindset. mindset. Yeah. yeah, so what does that look like? Yeah, okay. So 
there's a um there's this idea i've called it aesthetic inertia i've actually seen like jerry seinfeld do a bit on this where most guys will find a style at whatever is like the peak point of their own individual individuality and like self-identity and then they wear that style for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. so it's like i can tell especially because you know i'm more hyper focused on this but i can see photos of like my buddies from high school and it's like 2002 really was your best year because you're still wearing (laughs) that flex brim hat from like that year or you know like you really peaked in 2007 because you're still wearing that one thing and like we really hold on to this like our men more so than women we really have this infusion of identity into what it is that we wear and most guys want to hold on to their identity when they had the most autonomy the most charisma and the most potential laid out in front of them before they had to start really closing doors right and so that's what they want to see in the mirror every day. But there's some element of denial because if you're still wearing the same stuff that you did 20 years ago, you're stagnant. Just like if you were still eating the same way or dating the same people or philosophically the same way, if you were, if you had done all that for 20 years, then there's stagnancy. And so one of the best things that men can and should be doing is having their appearance and their style grow and evolve with them as they go into these other phases of life. And so maybe as you get into a new career, your style should reflect that more as you embrace something that's a little bit more avant-garde as far as a philosophy is concerned, then your appearance should reflect that a little bit more. Or even like one of the big things is even guys who go through big physical transformations, Mm -hmm. you can lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, and your clothes won't look all that different in the mirror, especially if you're already wearing baggy stuff. And so it can be really frustrating to see on your wife's Instagram page or like on a zoom call where it's like, I've put in all this work and I've like nailed my diet and I'm doing all my exercise and I still look like the same freaking guy all the time. But if you changed your style, then it would reinforce that. It's like, no, look, visually I can see that I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I'm not the same person that I was before. I'm not trapped in this old inertia. I've got visual evidence of the changes that I'm making and that can help reinforce that you, that you're capable of making other changes mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I think it's interesting I think in women's fashion, it changes so frequently that you, like, if you don't attempt to keep up with it, you, you will see that a lot faster. Like you'll see the year that you, you know, you kind of like peaked and then stayed there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's fascinating too, because like right now for women, the current fashion is these like, it's almost like Jinko light. Like it's these big wide pants, but then there's like massive holes in the legs. And you're uh-huh. like, well, this is cool. But, and then I try it on and I'm like, I just feel like a ding dong. Like I am not wearing these. Um, but I'll you're least, not 18 anymore. I know. I'm like, this, this yeah. is not appropriate mm-hmm. for me, but it's a, it's a fun experiment to do and to see again, I think because it's easier for women, we have such a huge variety everywhere we go to like, just see what different cuts do to how we look like to totally. what our weight looks like, like the shape totally. of my body changes instantly. If I have a, like certain type of t-shirt cut, like a raglan. T- I love like the baseball yeah, shaped yep, t-shirt. Yep. I love that cut. I wish it was on everything because it looks so good on me. Um, yeah. but Is that your best year? <laughs> raglan? <laughs> yeah. I'm one. just kidding. Uh, but you look I, cute in it. I did want to have a question, but I want to honor your time. Do you have time to like talk a little yeah, bit longer please. or do we yeah. have time? No, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So I have a, okay, here's the question. I go back and forth so much with style because all I like part of me, this is going to sound weird for a hot minute here. I love like an Astro van, like a renovated Astro van with mm-hmm. like you put like a gold snake on the side or something. Do what you want. And it's going to be so awesome. And that's, aesthetic. that's what I want. <laughs> and then part of my brain goes, you are not 
17, don't do mm-hmm. that. Get in, right. like get a Tahoe. Be, just be reasonable. Get mm-hmm. like a right. normal mom car. And then the other half of me is like, absolutely not. I will not do that. And so how do I, I'm asking for a friend, how do I uh, <laughs> like navigate that? I'm totally just curious because my aesthetic is very, very like, I just love what I love and I kind of don't care what people think, but I obviously, oh, obviously, I obviously care what people okay. think. Okay. So I'll teach you this the same way that I teach my clients. And there's two kind of terms that we have to hit to make it work. One of them, I really, I'm almost arrogant enough to call this the guzzy window instead of the aesthetic Overton window. Are you familiar with what the Overton window is? Okay. So it's basically like a political or a philosophical term as far as like what things are acceptable to talk about at a given point in time. So like you go back 200 years and it's very much appropriate to talk about how colonialism is how God brings Christianity to the uncivilized Mm -hmm. world. And you don't talk about transgenderism. And now the Overton window is all the way over here, right? Mm -hmm. The same things happen with aesthetics. We already kind of hit on this where you can't dress like George Washington today, but you could dress like George Washington then, right? Like, and so you have this window that you have to operate within and everybody's window is a little bit differently depending on like where you live and what you do. And are you a mom or how old you are or all these other things. And so part of it is knowing where your window is and then even where your own comfort zone within the window is, because for a lot of people, they want to be right in the middle of it you very obviously want to like push the edges of it or maybe even find ways to be a little bit on the outside of it. And so then it becomes the trade-off of like, is it more to my advantage to be a little bit away from it or like totally outside of it? But like, how do I make that work? And then the other thing that you need to factor in, um, I call these uh, sartorial synonyms, okay? So a synonym, obviously, when it comes to spoken language is two words that mean roughly the same thing and you can interchange them when it's appropriate. Same thing happens with our clothing or with our aesthetics. So when you want the gold dragon Astro van, you don't actually want the gold dragon Astro van. You want whatever the ethos is that that's expressing and communicating, right? Mm -hmm. What is that is what you need to find out. And then is there another way that's within your window that you can express that same ethos, that you can get all of that energy and communicate that exact same thing but do it in a way that's not coming with all the costs and comes with a little bit more as far as benefits for you. Right. So as far as like what that actually looks like, I, I don't know. I have no so idea. So it's a Tahoe, but I get <laughs> Persian rug floor liners, which are real. There you go. Right. Like that's it. That's within the window. And then you still get that like rakish go to hell aesthetic. That that's comes with right. It. right. <laughs> or or, or I, I think about like, uh, maybe we're similar age. I'm, I just turned 45 this year. And okay. so, and I was, I was a touring rock drummer for a mm-hmm. long time. Right. So very much the band scene, like tattoos and stuff. And then also the very super like preppy business stuff. I really like that too. And I've seen dudes who are like, in fact, our coach um, uh, is like very business, but he also was a touring musician too. So he's got like hand tattoos and a sleeve and stuff. Uh-huh. He rides a Harley. He spends thousands on custom suits. Mm-hmm. And yep. like he looks like a zillion bucks with a neck tattoo and like some, you know, $2,000 suit. It looks right. amazing. And it's yeah, a juxtaposition makes it even better as opposed yeah. to it being one dimensionally like rocker t-shirts and tattoos or the suits without any of it. Like you get the the multidimensionality of it that makes it even more visually interesting and compelling for him. Yeah. So am I allowed yeah. to get the golden dragon? Yes, you are. Man? But you have to do it on the you have to just do it on the Tahoe. Yeah. Or or, <laughs> just, or a G-Wagon. Just, just I appreciate dragon on there. Yeah. This feedback. I <laughs> yeah. truly do. So um uh thank you so much for this. I I have one, well, actually maybe two questions. But how okay. how can a man, because we're speaking to the dudes right now, how mm-hmm. can a man 
instantly kind of up his game and look better? Is it, right. is it, I mean, it starts with awareness, I'm assuming, but just right. a couple of tips there. Super easy things. Take the same level of stuff that you're wearing and just make it fit better. Mm-hmm. So if you're a t-shirt and jeans guy, stick to t-shirt and jeans, but just make sure that they fit the way that they're supposed to, which means it's not super tight, but it's not super baggy. I've got a good idea of what kind of shape you're in, but I'm not seeing any details with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Super easy. And then the second thing is anything that you wear that has any sort of like a graphic or a logo on it. This is more so for men than it is for women because men, when we wear graphic t-shirts or things like that, it has more to do with the, my identity is rooted in my consumption of, or my affiliation with this particular product or this Mm -hmm. band or anything else, as opposed to just like, you know, girls can wear Nirvana t-shirts and have never listened to their music. I have enough leopard t-shirts. There we go. There we go. Perfect. 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 Yes. We nailed it. it. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. Right. But as guys, if we wear stuff like that, you're either a complete poser because you can't get grilled on like all the nuances and intricacies of that band, or you're a complete weirdo who still is like super invested in his identity being a Def Leppard fan, even though it's 2022 and not 1982. Right. So like anything that has any sort of like a graphic or a logo on it, just get rid of it and wear solid, simple stuff. So stuff that fits better, avoid graphics and logos, such an easy and good way to get started for most men. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's super solid advice. It it immediately makes me think like I have mostly all my t-shirts are just plain, you know, well-fitted and stuff like that. But I do have a favorite band, and it's a Viking metal death, band. Death and metal. sometimes I wear that shirt, so I'm like, okay, I'm not reliving like glory days or anything. And they're like, yeah. Well, it's just okay, I'll give you I'll give you a little bit more new because you've got like the history of like you played in this, and so this is where the the general advice only takes you so far. What I would recommend you do is only wear that when you can layer something else over it, some sort of a jacket or something else, because then it doesn't become the main thing that you're broadcasting to everybody else but it becomes a secondary thing. And so then it becomes something that is just like, yeah, this is cool, yeah. but it's not my main identity that I want you to see right Okay, away. yeah. Uh, I, so there I've you go. Seen, Keep it, just layer it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's. Per- I've seen dudes do that in the airport. And then I I wore this shirt when I was flying somewhere and like had a, a navy blue blazer on and it looked oh, super fun. chill. So yeah, that's it looked cool. good. Yeah, that's so cool. um, okay, this this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much. I, one last question, unless you have any nope. questions. What What is something... And I'm assuming it's your brand new daughter. But what is something right now that you're just like super interested in? You're like, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I started reading about building canoes and it's just taking off from there. What, what's bringing you some jazz right now? The biggest thing, and this does certainly has to do with my daughter as well, but the, I've been on a kick lately of trying to understand a masculine relationship with emotions mm. because we either have this like really kind of stoic, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, I mean in the literal way, but kind of like, a retarded version of emotions, Mm -hmm. or we get this, you have to experience and express emotions the same way that women do, Mm -hmm. or you're broken for not doing it that way. And I've really been trying to understand because I've had like the bookends of like, we have this, we have this beautiful daughter that's just been born. And I have a a brother who just passed away in in the summer. And so I'm seeing kind of like Mm -hmm. the full spectrum of all of these different things and realizing I have a very immature relationship with emotion. And it's because these have been the false binary of my only two options. And so I'm trying to really understand what a healthy masculine relationship with emotions is. And that's really got me kind of like energized and trying to figure this out because it'll make me one happier as an individual. Mm-hmm. And then two, because men are bad at having needs and just being selfish with our needs. I get to justify it by saying it'll make me a better husband and a better father and all of that stuff as well. But it really does like everybody wins. Everybody in my immediate sphere wins 
if I get a better relationship with what it means to have to be a man and have emotions. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's amazing. That's where I've been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we could do we talk about that a lot, like emotional maturity, emotional intelligence. And a lot of dudes walk around going, I don't know. I either want to have sex or I'm just super pissed and I don't know why. Right. And I'm angry at everything. Right. Yep. I was like, okay, what's those the- are the only two you're allowed to have. Yeah. I yeah. will say I'm going to shamelessly plug myself right now. Okay. All just right. hear me out. Uh, we, when we talk to couples, I, we always hear that I'm just like the husband and Seth is like the wife. So like our, oh, we have this like flipped, um, mm-hmm, this inversion. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. So I guess in a way I'm, sh- I'm plugging both of us because I would love to, I would, I think that this conversation is something that needs to be had, like the emotionality of men and how we teach that and how we learn it and all of that. Um, and I hear all the time from women that it's helpful to hear, like from the wives, it's helpful to hear me say the thing that their husband often thinks. Oh, or feels. interesting. And yeah. so it's like super fascinating and, and fun. And I, we should do another call about that. We like, yeah. I'm cur- like I'm inviting you on. And we're going to talk about that. So whatever you've oh, learned, man. write it down. I would love to, because we can talk like internal family systems and like how the body translates to like, this has yeah. been, I, I'm, I'm formulating this right now where I, I talk about two F words that men hate fashion and feelings. Like this is somehow my calling that I get to do these things, but I've been on this kick for a while and and yeah, I'd love to come back on and talk emotions yeah. with you guys. And uh, bring my talking, wife on. We'll make a party out of it. Yes, oh, that would please. that would be awesome. You're talking about IFS, internal family systems. So you're yeah. doing some you're doing some family therapy homework for sure. So yep, absolutely. Yeah. Is, yeah. Thank you so right. much. This has been amazing. And now I know not to get the astro, although I want it. Um, <laughs> Just do the dragon on the top. <laughs> right. Right. So uh mm. for, for folks who want to know more uh about this, especially the guys are like, okay, I need to up my wardrobe, get my style mm-hmm. going on. Where can they find exactly what you do and how can they use your services okay so the main site is masculine-style.com you can go check it out there honestly the easiest kind of like entry level to all of this is go read my book the appearance of power it's like 150 pages you'll get through it in a couple hours it's not super heavy in fact i'm really active on twitter and so it reads like a bunch of tweets more than anything else mm-hmm. um, really quick easy to digest and then if you are active on social media uh twitter instagram and tiktok are where i spend most of my time and all of those are at tanner Guzzi. Awesome. Yeah, I love your IG stuff lately. Um, it's Thanks. it's uh, it's it's insightful. So I really appreciate that. So Tanner, thank you so much, my man. We really appreciate it. And yeah, you guys go check out Tanner stuff. Follow him on Instagram. Go to masculine-style.com to get more information and find out what he does. So thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Right, bye. Okay, what'd you think, Mel? For real, it was amazing. I just need to get a Tahoe now. Yeah, right. A Tahoe with the gold thing. Okay, guys. I hope you like that. I know Melanie did. I know that I did. And after, uh, we even talked to Tanner about maybe doing some more stuff with him, some follow-up stuff, some mm-hmm. foo stuff, some masculinity stuff. And it's, it's a exciting. really, really important conversation. So you guys stay tuned. If you got any questions, email hello at anatomyofus.com. We'll talk to All you soon. Right, bye. Thanks for listening to Anatomy of Us. This podcast is produced by my mom, Melanie Studley, and hosted by my dad, Seth Studley. Our show is edited and published by our producer, Reba Hansen, from Creative Media Support. Special thanks to our Patreon members that get an extra episode every week. Thanks for watching. Love you. Bye. Bye.